welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you after a week off. Uh, yeah, I feel like a real slacker. You know, last week we did not get to record a podcast. Um, and it was this time, I'll say, it was all my fault. Um, <laughs> you, you owed me one or two or three. Waiting to, to hear me say that. It was my fault. The, you know, last Friday, uh, the Friday before Easter, I had my uh, second COVID vaccine shot uh, at the Pfizer. And, um, and I was fine the, that, that evening. Uh, my arm was a little sore, you know, just like everybody else reports and everything. But by the next day, um, I, I was not well and I d- was not feeling very well at all. So, um, and fell asleep and slept for a long time, a lot longer than I usually sleep. So um, <laughs> you, had to, you had to get up and shave. It was a couple of days growth, right? Goodness, it was like, wow. Yeah. But then when I got up, I was fine. Um, everything was fine. You were just tired. Oh, it was I mean, just fatigued, yeah. Yeah, just, you just feel kind of heavy, kind of mm-hmm. um, achy yeah. and stuff, but, um, but it passed within you know, less than a day and uh, felt much better, but then between that and Easter and all that kind of stuff, we weren't able to record. So uh, right. back today. And what, what we're talking about, and the reason we selected this topic is because Easter is one, you know, it's a, it's a new beginning and this is spring, you know, uh, Easter falls on the first Sunday after the uh, first full moon of spring, you know, uh, and, and so all these events sort of coalesced in the spring. And at the same time, we have this vaccine coming out, which is giving us new hope. And so we sort of tied the vaccine to Easter and spring and the new beginning. But unfortunately, the, the vaccine, as it typically does, um, we hit a snag and had to postpone for a week. So there's the, the Easter and uh, renewed hope and vaccine connection. That's right. So, um, but, but yes, we are going to talk about um, some of that because as we, you know, as the, uh, as the vaccine keeps rolling out and more and more people are getting the vaccine and uh, there's more and more people out and about and going to restaurants and going to stores. And um, we can absolutely see a lot of more lax, um, uh, more of a laxing behavior as it relates to, you know, some of the protection stuff that we've been doing for the past right. Uh, fewer people are wearing um, masks and not really being mindful of social distancing as well as we used to. Um, so today we're going to talk about, you know, getting back into the world now that we are hopefully approaching that post-pandemic. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're not completely sure. There's been little spikes here and there um, of, of outbreaks. Mm-hmm. And there is still some concern that we could have another wave of, of outbreaks, with, especially with all the mutations happening with the, with the virus. Um, but we need to start thinking about what it's going to be like, because there is going to be some anxiety. Right. Because it's hard to believe, not so hard to believe, it's been a little over a year, because uh, it was last March when this thing, when the World Health Organization said we have a problem. Um, the first holiday that we missed because... Right. That's right. Easter was the first one, right? Um, and so we we woke up, sort of woke up to discover this virus, that this unknown. We didn't know where it came from. Um, still don't know exactly where it came from, um, but we knew it was killing people. We saw um, thousands of people in Italy 
Remember Italy had that wave um, and other countries where this thing spread very quickly. And the fear was, and we forget these things, but the fear was that our hospitals were going to be overrun with patients and the need for ventilators. Because when this pandemic first hit, we didn't have enough equipment right. to deal with the possibility of a large scale pandemic. At the time, there was no cure, there was no treatment. Um, we didn't have enough, uh, remember the days when we didn't have enough um, masks or anything, we didn't have enough supplies on hand. You know, we weren't prepared for this thing. And all we knew is that it was spread very easily. We weren't sure how, uh, but that's about all we knew. And so we were told, well, let's lock everything down. Let's stop the spread of this. Let's at least do that. Um, and, um, and so we went, then we went through this period of lockdown. And so we sort of entered this long winter of, um, of staying home and being isolated and canceling um, holidays and traditions and family gatherings. And, um, and we did that for about a year, uh, from March till, till March of this year. And then the vaccine began to appear, I guess, toward the end of December and January. Right about a year after the first initial reportings of, of COVID in, in other countries, you know, we didn't, it didn't really hit here until March or so of, of 2020. But um, right. yeah, but it was late 2019, which is why, why we call it COVID-19. Um, that uh, it really hit. And so we started getting the vaccine right about a year later, right at the end of 2020. At the end of 2020, right, thankfully. And so with the vaccine, we have hope uh, that we're going to have a new beginning. Um, and so it, it was kind of fitting that the vaccine arrived, uh, coincided with the route of spring and Easter and other, other things that signal winter is over and we have hope for a new beginning. And so it seemed uh, that the, the long dark winter seemed to be ending. But the vaccine has brought cautious optimism. Um, and the problem is, the two problems are that number one, people are, are going to get careless again. Right. Um, we're, we're tired of the restrictions. We're tired of the quarantines. We're tired of the isolation. We just want to go out. We just want to go out and do things. And so people are making travel plans. And when, you know, when can I travel? Where can I go? Um, schools and businesses. You're, you're in the school district and, and there are daily things about how, how are we going to open schools fully in the fall of 2021? That's what they're talking about now. Right. right. How do we how do we, how do we open schools safely and admit everybody? Remember when it's first started, we had a social distancing was six feet, and now it's three feet. Well, that allows you to double the number of students in a classroom. Right. So, um, so schools and businesses are moving toward um, some sense of, of a, another normal. Um, so the acute crisis is is over, and now I'm vaccinated, but now what? And, and I think that's the big question is, okay, now what? Okay. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that um, any of us, we, we all see this, right? Because when you go to the store, um, mm -hmm. there are more and more people who are not wearing masks, more and more people right. who are, um, you know, clustered in the same aisle. Uh, whereas before, um, right. you have a couple of people in an aisle at a time. And even if you walked by and you saw, you know, four or five people down there, you, you would kind of go to a different aisle and wait before you went. Now it's, you know, yeah, bump into people. Now, now you're paying fashion carts again. Yeah, and I, I was at a, the grocery store a couple of days ago, and um, 
you know, there were a few people there not wearing masks. And mm-hmm. of course, the one, per- one of the people not wearing a mask, uh, he, he walks past me and all of a sudden he starts hacking, just like a, a hacking cough, of course, you know, um, right here beside me. So, but it's, you know, that's what we're going to be experiencing now. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's um, anxiety provoking. Uh, about the schools, uh, the expectation, at least here in Florida, is that uh, that the governor is going to move towards if you want to do virtual school, that you're going to have to do the typical virtual school that we've always had and that individual schools are not going to be offering the e-learning anymore. Right. So, yeah, and we see we see different states where I mean, the governor of Florida, the governor of Texas, I think those are the first two, the governor of Texas in particular. It's like he's in a battle with somebody. It's like he's storming the, the enemy on a hill. Um, Texas is open for business. It's completely open. No masks are needed. Restaurants can go 100%. We're gonna fully open Texas, okay? But that's not a scientific decision, not a medical decision. That's a political decision. Um, and because that's what some people want. And so he's doing it. But, um, and so we continue to see the, the, the politics that are involved in this pandemic uh, from the beginning. But there isn't gonna be a return. Right. What we have to understand is that as we enter this next phase, there is no return and there is no new normal. Right. There's no return because things are not, we're not just gonna go back right. to, to the way things were. Um, the virus and, and the mutations of the virus are, are going to linger and it's going to be necessary to be cautious for a while. Um, just because, I mean, people, people who have been vaccinated will still get COVID-19. You're still going to get the infection. Uh, it's going to be more mild, but you're still going to get it. Um, some people have never admitted that there was a virus and didn't change anything. They continued to go out. They refused to wear masks. Uh, there was a sort of arrogance about it. Well, I'm not, not going to do that. It's all a big hoax. So for them, there is no return to norm because they never left norm. They never left their old lifestyle anyway. Okay. But for most of us, we're not going to return to t- 2019 to 2018. Those, those days are gone. We're, we're going to be dealing with this for a long time. Right. And second, there's no new normal. We've talked about that. If it's not new, it's not can't be normal, if it's normal, it's not new. Um, there is no such thing. Uh, there, there isn't gonna be a new normal. There's gonna be um, a new way of doing things, but it's not gonna feel normal. Right, and I think that, I, I think that the important thing here is um, we've all changed. Right, that's so right. Here we have all changed and adapted and, and modified things, sometimes very drastically and sometimes very mm-hmm. subtly. But, but those changes, take root and, and they, they, they set in. And as you said, you know, it's no longer new. It, this, it's normal now. And so it's not a new normal. It's just, this is just what normal is now. Um, and it, but that's it. It's been a gradual change. And even the people who have really worked to resist a lot of this, they've changed also. There, there's been adjustment, maybe a little bit more subtle, maybe uh, not as, uh, as significant as what other people have done, but mm-hmm. we've all changed. And so it's, I think that as we talked about in that previous podcast about there's no, 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 no new normal, um, we have to 
just accept it, you know, accept the reality that, okay, life is different now. Um, and, and so how am I going to fit within the way that life is now? That's right. Yeah. Because, um, and that's one part. One part is we're, we're moving into a new way of doing things. And like it or not, we're going to be moving. We're, we're not going to go back to the, I don't think we're going to go back to the way things were. I think we're always going to have this around. The second thing is we've been through a trauma. We, it's been an international trauma. But certainly it's been also a national trauma. So we have all been traumatized by the events of 2019 and, the, and 2020. So we not only had the pandemic, but we also had all the race tension, racial tension that, um, that occurred with, and, it, and it's continuing because now, you know, uh, we've, had, um, we've had these uh, loss of life um, at the hands of the police. And now the trial is occurring. So we, we keep, we keep um, re-traumatizing ourselves because now the trial for that trauma is going on and that's gonna re-traumatize people. We also had a political insurrection. I mean, <laughs> people actually try to overthrow the government. I mean, that's not an insignificant issue. You can call it whatever you want. You can blame whoever you want. But the fact is nobody's stormed our capital since 1812. 1813, um, there, was a, there was a huge political insurrection. So the combination of these, these three uh, major events have caused us to go through trauma. And so what, we're, what people are advising now is that let's, let's think of this as a traumatic event and let's deal with it as a traumatic event. Now that we've, we've been through the acute phase, and now we're at, we begin the recovery phase, okay? And so what this article is about is the three stages of recovery. Right, yeah, and, and I, um, I think that one of the significant uh, factors with, with this talk that we're gonna have today is, um, it is as we're transitioning into the post-pandemic world or, or however we want to think about that as we just continue to move forward, um, you know, we have sort of, if we have sort of set ourselves up to be, to be very anxious about all of this, you know, I think about some of my patients and some of the kids that I work with, um, kids who have been completely isolated, um, and understandably so, but completely isolated since March of 2020. And I think about what it's going to be like in their world to have to go back because all they've heard over the past year is how dangerous it is. And, you know, what's going to happen if you get it and you got to stay away from everybody else. And, you know, anyone who already has a smidge even of, of a anxious tendency, a year of that is going to really um, exacerbate um, any anxiety. And it's going to make it really difficult for them to, right. to reenter. And so dealing with this, uh, there's a lot of research talking about the difference between acute trauma and chronic trauma. Mm -hmm. What we've been going through over the past year is a classic definition of uh, chronic trauma. It's, it's been long lasting. It's not like a car accident. That's a single event that occurs in moments. Um, and, and then you're just dealing with the aftermath from there. This has been a, a, a trauma that's endured. We've endured over a year now. And, and going to continue to endure. And the effects of that are even more significant if we're uh, not being mindful and 
preparing for it. Right, that's right. Um, and so if we, if we conceptualize this whole thing as a trauma, which is exactly precisely what it's been, then um, the recovery process is going to occur gradually. It, it will unfold over time. And most of us have been in, in, in stage one. Stage one of, of uh, recovery is establishing safety. I mean, that's the first thing you have to do, okay? So when it, when it first, when the, when the um, infection first appeared, um, the first goal, you stop the spread, okay? And that's what social distancing and masks and shutting things down, these mandatory lockdowns, let's at least stop the spread, okay? So, so what we wanna do is we wanna establish safety. It's first thing you do, you stop the spread. And you're going to hear, um, I think there are a couple of countries right now where um, the, what they call them a surge, it starts to spread again, okay? Right. And, and again, you re-traumatize everybody. So these, these surges are gonna continue in countries and in states. Um, there are five states, uh, including Florida, that are experiencing larger numbers now than we have in the past few months. And so we're gonna, so, so goal one is to stop the spread, okay? The problem with this is that not everybody achieved the feeling of safety. Right. Some of us did. Some of us felt that oh, I could get masks, I could get medical care if I needed it. Um, I had the basic necessities, but not everybody was able to do that. Um, I, I had access to tests. Um, I could be tested for COVID whenever, whenever I wanted to be tested. I would just go to my clinic. I'd get tested for it. Um, there were treatments that were coming out, medications and, and, and things that were coming out. Um, but amidst the, all this, there was all this confusion created mainly by politicians and social media um, about, you know, you, you're not safe or you are safe. You don't need to worry about it. So not everybody achieved that first feeling that I am safe. Okay. I, I think that, I, I think that there's a real, that, that that's a huge thing that we have to really draw some emphasis to because, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how you felt about it, Richard. So it'd be interesting to hear if, how you respond. But um, to me, wearing a mask gave me a sense of, sense of control. It gave yeah. me, uh, I am taking, um, I'm engaging in some action that is protecting me, that is going to help me to be safe. Um, and and I, I would wonder if people who didn't choose to follow some of those um, recommendations and you know use the personal protective equipment and everything, if that led to a sense, or if they didn't have access, if that led to a, a sense of a um, lack of control, to right. where, which would increase their uh, likelihood of not feeling safe. You know what I mean? Right. And I thought I, I always thought of the mask in two ways. One is that if there's any chance that a mask could protect me from the virus, I'm, I was willing to wear it. Okay. On the other hand, I, if there was a chance that my wearing a mask would prevent me from spreading mm -hmm. this disease to, to another person, right. I can't, Bernie, I can't imagine. And I know of a case where they celebrated a holiday. I think it was a Christmas holiday and the family got together yeah. and one of the boys who was in college didn't know it, but he had the infection and his grandmother got it. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately the grandmother survived. Okay. But imagine right. if that kid 
knew that he was the person and his grandmother died. How do you live with that? Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. So if there's a chance of preventing that, my goodness, and and you argue about wearing a mask. Right. Absolutely. You know, my family gets together. My the, the bulk of my family all live uh, on my mom's side, all live in the, it, here in this area. And we all get together three or four times a year, Easter, giving, Christmas, those kinds of things. So um, I, have not, I have not seen most of them since the holidays of 2019. Right. That's right. For Easter this year, um, you know, I've already had both of my shots, even though um, I had just had my second uh, uh, Pfizer shot. Um, you know, I decided I was going to go early to see my grandmother because I hadn't seen her in, you know, a year. Oh, really? And um, so I had my mask and everything. Um, but it's, you know, I, I, I get there and um, I don't know if they listen to the podcast, so it's okay. None of them are wearing masks. And I'm like, ah, I, no. I masked the whole time. And I think I'm the only one of them all who had my COVID shots. Um, well, no, I have an aunt and uncle who had theirs, but, um, you know, so I only stayed for a little while, but, um, I would feel horrible if I knew that I brought it into that house with, you know, some of them have some medical issues. And so, so I, um, I, I quickly left before there were too many more people there. Um, right. I could not handle that kind of. No, because right. Exactly. I, I, I never got. I don't think I ever had COVID, even a, but I don't know if I was a carrier. Right. You know, I could have been, an, I could be a carrier and not know it. Right. Um, and that's, that's the mysterious part of this disease. We don't know why, why are some people getting it and others not? We could all be carriers. Absolutely. And so I have the obligation to protect other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So no, I never had any trouble with masks. I mean, I never felt it was an infringement. I mean, it was a small, it was a small gesture to try to keep everybody safe. It wasn't to keep me safe, it was to keep other people safe for me. I didn't get the virus. Um, so, so not everybody has achieved this feeling of safety. And as a result, they're gonna, the emotional and physical um, uh, fallout of this uh, illness is gonna continue. And uh, people are gonna continue to feel fear and distress and mistrust and depression. All these things are gonna linger. Okay, because not everybody achieved that level of feeling safe and feeling that they were secure. Right. And then as soon as something else comes out, as soon as there's another virus or another outbreak or um, about um, these, all of these traumatic um, emotions and everything are going to resurface. That's right. Imagine, imagine right now. And this is possible. Hopefully it won't happen. But if one of these mutant strains Mm -hmm. takes hold, we could be thrown right back to March of 2020. Right. I mean, we could go right back and imagine the emotional uh, trauma right. that we would all experience if we went into lockdown again. What, what, would, what would happen to people if we shut everything down again? Right. That's a possibility with these, with these uh, strains. Okay? Hopefully, no. But there was, and if that would happen, it's going to re-traumatize everybody. It's going to re-traumatize Almost all of us. Absolutely, especially those who have lost people. You know, the, um, because w- with this, we, we're moving into like stage two, right? And stage two is okay. Now, 
we are we're gaining some control perhaps or we we have some strategies in place whether it's the ppe or it's the um, vaccines and we're moving sort of into this post-pandemic but we're looking back at what we've lost over right. the year. and 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 there is a a level of of mourning and remembrance and grieving that we have to go through you know fortunately you know we didn't lose anyone i didn't lose anyone you know right. close to my to me or my family uh right. but i know people who whose loved yeah. ones passed away right. as a result of covid um and i could not imagine mm-hmm. you know what that would be like um you know mm-hmm. people who were dying in in the hospital and their loved ones couldn't be with them no that would, that would be horrible right and all those people, and it's over 500,000 right. people have died in, in our country alone. And all of those people are going through this horrific, I mean, that's mourning and grieving. Um, and they're going to be going through it for a long time. So, so stage two is um, remembrance, you know, uh, but also mourning the life that we used to have. I mean, what we used to be able to do, our old life. And, uh, and getting used to our new life, whatever this new thing that's coming. Um, but five, losing 500,000 people is an incredible amount of loss. I remember my parents talking about um, after World War II, my mother lived in a small town, small village in Ohio. And she said that virtually every family there in one way or another was touched by losing somebody in World War II. Well, we've lost more people in this pandemic than we did in World War II. And that touched everybody. This is, everybody knows somebody. And Richard, remember when um, in, in March and April and um, even the, into the summer of last year, mm-hmm. it was, we might lose 200,000. Um, and and the president at the time was saying, um, no, the goal is we're only, we're only going to lose 100, 100,000. Mm-hmm. 500,000. Right. And counting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still, people are still dying of this disease. Right. I mean, there are thousands of deaths every day uh, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're not, we're, you know, and so we're grieving, we're grieving and mourning. The other thing we're lo- we've lost, yeah. she calls them ambiguous losses. Okay, so loss of life, yes, but there are these ambiguous losses like employment, school graduations. Um, I was talking to a fellow yesterday, his, son is a baseball player and he it was his senior year the scouts were all there to see him and the season stopped okay that there was no senior year and so that 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 but and, and the other thing that happened was that colleges gave kids an extra year of eligibility which is good for those kids but the but the freshmen coming up now are losing they're going to lose a year because of that okay so um, you know, um, losing your senior year of high school, losing your senior year of college, you know, graduation ceremonies. What about financial security and social connections and just being able to move about? Those are called ambiguous losses. And we're, we're still going to be mourning and grieving those, okay? And then the third thing is the loss of our assumptive world. And our assumptive world is the core beliefs that make us feel safe and hopeful. Those are all gone. Those were all taken away for most of us during this pandemic. So you have the loss that comes from losing a loved one. You have ambiguous losses 
like employment and school. And then you have a, the loss of your assumptive world. So there are three kinds of losses that most of us are gonna be dealing with, okay? But stage two, as we begin to deal with this, is where we move from hopelessness to hopefulness. And that's what should occur in stage two. But and, and that's what we're hoping to get. And, and it's a matter of, uh, you know, that's, of course, we have the, the vaccine, as we've been talking about, and all those mm -hmm. kinds of things. But, um, you know, the, the, the challenge is, is that we're going to have this, some of this ongoing insecurity, some of this ongoing, right. you know, stress and despair and fear that something else could happen or what, what is the next thing that's going to come around the corner. Um, and so we have to be careful and mindful because there, there, there are those who, people who are going to be very resilient and be able to overcome those things. Then there's, right. there's going to be a large group of people who are going to continue to struggle with those things. Right. That's right. Because this pandemic, part of the problem is, uh, and, and we, we know now that insecurity and despair are going to linger, not in everybody, because some people were not adversely affected um, in any significant way by this pandemic. Inconvenienced, yes, but adversely affected, no. Um, and so many of us are gonna, are, are gonna recover very quickly, but for others, the recovery is gonna be a very slow and painful process. Um, I, um, early on in the pandemic, the federal government said, we'll have a moratorium on evictions. Right. Okay. Which is good because you didn't get kicked out in the street. However, even though you weren't paying your monthly rent or you, it was still due. Exactly. And there are people who, are, who owe thousands and thousands of dollars in back rent that still has to be paid. Right. Um, many of us are fortunate enough not to have experienced that, but there are many people in this country who are deeply in debt and, and will be expected to pay all that back rent. They're having a very different experience than the rest of us who didn't have to deal with that or a job loss. Look at all the people in the restaurant industry um, who, who lost their jobs and had to start over and are probably deep in credit card debt because they had to survive. So not every, this pandemic didn't affect everybody equally. That's just in this country. Worldwide, it affected the poor countries really got clobbered and they're going to have a hard time climbing out. Um, I think somebody said about 70 or 80% of the vaccines are used in the wealthiest, the wealthiest three or four countries. Right. The wealthy countries have vaccines, poor countries don't. Okay. So it hasn't affected everybody equally. So stage two is going to take time, especially for those people who were seriously affected um, more than others by the pandemic. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, all of that, and then, you know, again, about the inequality or the, the you know, the um, differentiation between how it affected some groups and other groups, then there's the whole racial inequality as it relates to that. Because, um, you know, you, you mentioned the, the racial tension and everything early on as part of the trauma, but that's also the case with the way in which the pandemic itself has affected people. You know, um, it, it has affected many minority groups at significantly higher rates than, than others. And so, you know, again, you know, we're back to this idea that, um, you know, you have these groups of people who are going to continue to struggle and suffer through some of these things long after um, you know, even if we have a, a, 
a, a period where the, um, you know, the virus is more or less squashed, or if, even if it disappeared today, you know, right. no more COVID, you know, there's these huge groups of people who are going to continue to struggle regardless right. of some of the, because of the past year. Right, right. That's right. And, um, and I, we, we don't even know the, um, the research hasn't even started yet about the number of people who are in debt, who can't pay their bills, who, um, you know, uh, we, we don't even know the magnitude of all of that. And that's all, that all has to be managed as part of stage two, okay? Then we get to stage three. Uh, she calls it reconnection. Right. Um, some kind of return to our everyday world, whatever that's gonna look like, okay? For some, this is gonna be easy. Um, for, but for others, getting to that new life, whatever it is, will create what she refers to as re-entry anxiety. And this is the anxiety, the insecurity, the fear, the depression that comes with any traumatic event, um, whether we're talking about a physical assault or a sexual assault or being in a war zone, being in a combat zone. These are all traumatic events. And um, when, you, when you, you go through the acute trauma, you try to process it, but eventually you have to get back into the whatever the real world, you have to get into the real world. And re-entering the world can be a very dangerous, frightening experience. My son was physically assaulted and seriously injured a couple of years ago. And he knew that he needed to get back and, and, and re-enter uh, as quickly as he could. Unfortunately, he did, but it wasn't an easy transition for him to feel safe again. He felt unsafe for a long time. And, um, and we know that about soldiers. We know that about uh, assault victims, that it takes a long time to go back out into the world and feel safe. Absolutely. I mean, think about the way in which you respond if somebody standing near you, and I mentioned the story earlier, somebody standing near you or walking past you coughs. Mm -hmm. um, because we know that coughing is a, um, is a symptom associated with COVID because it's a respiratory um, mm -hmm. virus or virus that affects our respiratory system. Um, so anytime, especially over the next, you know, months, even years, perhaps, as soon as somebody coughs, you're going to have a response to that. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have a, um, right. a reflex. Right. Um, because of the trauma, because we're associating that with, you know, this deadly virus. Yeah, we've had the good fortune. I, I, we've had the good fortune to be um, to be involved in a PTSD project, and many of the PTSD victims are veterans. And every single veteran says they're they're um, still fearful when they go out, and they're still on guard when they go out, and they're watching cars and they're watching people. They're still years and years and years later. Okay, so reconnecting is no easy task if you've been traumatized and we have all been traumatized. So re-entry is not, it, it may be easy for some, but it's gonna be difficult for most of us. Right, okay? and I think, I think the other part that's important when we talk about these stages is different people are going to be in different stages at different times. Exactly. You know, most of us are in at least stage two right now. Um, right. Mm -hmm. we, we have some of those things in place so that we're out of stage one. Mm -hmm. um, 
but some people are going to be firmly in stage three already. And some people are still in stage two. And in that, you know, not that we're going to go around carrying badges because you can go in and out of some of these. Right. You're feeling pretty secure and you're trying to reconnect. That's going to be great. Mm -hmm. But some of these re-traumatizing events could happen and that could set you right back into stage two because you're now you're feeling unsafe again and you're, you're dealing with some of those things and, and you're not feeling quite as hopeful as, as right. you need to, to be able to reconnect um, as part of stage three. So it, it's more fluid than it is, okay, I've graduated from stage two, now I can be in stage three and everything's gonna be all right. Not, not that it's not that simple. You know, we're gonna be, we're gonna be moving around. Um, and you're right, we're all gonna get there at different times. And we have to be sensitive to that, that some people are gonna remain traumatized for a much longer period than others. It's gonna take a long time for many people to get out of stage two before they're ready for stage three. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be sensitive to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so a lot of people, a lot of us um, are gonna struggle with re-entry anxiety. Um, sleep disturbances will continue, eating difficulties, um, drug and alcohol use, uh, preoccupations with safety, recurring fears. You know, as you said earlier, you walk into a store, you're acutely aware of who is and who isn't wearing a mask. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, and, and that, that sort of, it doesn't re-traumatize you, but it keeps it all at the surface, okay? We are still, when we talk about a new normal, that's what we're gonna be doing for a long time. It's not, yeah, yeah it's definitely new, but, it, but it's not normal. It's not what we've ever done before, okay? And so, all of these emotions that come with a traumatic event are all going to still very much be with us during the reconnection phase. Okay. So reconnection is not just getting back to normal. When, when we say it's over, people are saying, Oh, now that we have the vaccine, now that now we can get over it. Um, think of this for a moment. Think of, think of saying that same thing to an assault victim right. or to a veteran. Who, who was injured or, or who watched others die. Um, imagine saying that, oh, just get over it. You know, the pandemic, so just get over it. You wouldn't dream of saying that to an assault victim or to a veteran, but people are already saying that to each other. Oh, this was a hoax. This was, there's nothing to this. It's, it's all, it's all a hoax. You know, um, this, it wasn't, a, it wasn't any of those things. It was a trauma for virtually all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so as we, as we deal with that and we're, we're coping with that, you know, we need to figure out ways to then move into this phase because we're not just going to get over it, but we need to be able to work through and process what's, what's happened, been through in a way that's going to help us to be healthy and to make some of these adjustments. And, and that, you know, the first step of that really is, to just accept it, accept the fact that we have been traumatized, accept the fact that we have just been through something that, um, you know, most people have never been through before. Um, there's, there's, not, there's not a whole lot of people who were around to remember the, the pandemic of, you know, 1990. There just aren't that many people around that remember that anymore. And so for most of us, this is our first time and, and it's okay to be, to be affected by it. Right, right. And, and keep in mind that, uh, first of all, acknowledge we've all been traumatized. Second, that um, some of us have been 
some have been more traumatized than others. And we need to be sensitive to that. Um, and we have to be sensitive to those who are the most who who were the most affected, and that would be people who lost loved ones and lost their jobs and lost what what was a life. And we also have to remember that we also have to take care of the most vulnerable. And the most vulnerable are the very young kids who couldn't quite understand this, and they're going to continue to ask if they're safe or not. Okay, and we have to continue to reassure them. It's like when when natural disasters occur and kids or, or an airplane goes down, you know, and, and your parents are flying, you know, across the country, is, is, is that plane going to go down? So young people deal with this very differently. Also the very old, the elderly um, are going to continue to worry. You know, they're going to worry more than those of us who are up and running around and going places because they're not out seeing the world. And so the, the very young and the very old are, are, are going to feel more vulnerable for a longer period of time, okay? And we need to be sensitive to that, okay? Yeah. Third, this is not over. Right. We, 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 we have this hope, we have this unrealistic expectation that, oh good, it's over, we can go back. It's not over. Um, the vaccine gives us hope, but the hope is just the beginning, okay? Um, the idea that we can go back and pretend like this never happened, it's not just wrong, it's dangerous. Okay, um, you can still get this virus. You can still get the flu. Um, many of us are going to have lingering symptoms. Right. We know somebody who who had it, who who had COVID, and um, you know she, she had it months and months ago um, right. last year, and and she still received mm -hmm. treatment for the the effects that it had on her um, respiratory system. Right. And, you know, even the other day we were talking to her, and she said that she's just feeling where she can, you know breathe as well as she, she used to. Um, some of these are long-term effects. Right, we've, we've heard the term long haulers, uh, but what it is is the more the, more tap, the morbidity, the, the illness. In many people, it will linger for months. It could linger for years. Um, when we talk to people who've had COVID, um, one person still has facial numbness and tremors, you know, that, that they, did, they got, that, that appeared after they had COVID. And that was last summer. I mean, they've been dealing with seven or eight months now of these lingering effects. Other people talk about chronic fatigue, right. um, that, that they just cannot quite recover from the illness. The other thing that's going to happen, which also happened in the pandemic of 1918, is some people are going to have brain effects. Um, in the 1918 epidemic, uh, there was an encephalitis, uh, an inflammation of the brain that occurred. And those people have had, had symptoms um, ongoing for years because of that. And we know now that um, there's an encephalitis that has been associated with this virus. And some people are going to be struggling with, they call it brain fog, and, and, but, but they're gonna be struggling with neurological side effects. And so uh, this is far from over. We're, we're at the beginning, but it's far from over. Right. Yeah. So we, need to, we need to make sure that we, you know, to deal with this anxiety, we need to accept the, what we've been through um, except the fact that it's not over, that it's, you know, we're moving in a positive direction, but it's, it's not over yet. And so we need to continue to be safe and take control of those things that we can control by wearing our protective equipment, whether you've had the vaccine or not. And, right. um, and then appreciate that some people are still struggling more than other people. Um, but as we, you know, as we're moving into this next phase, perhaps it's, it's critical that we, you know, take 
um, take the steps that we need to take to feel safe um, and, and ex exercise some of those uh, practices so that we can live the life that we can live right now and, and, and be safe and not just for ourselves, but for other people as well. Right, exactly. Um, it, it, it's, it's hard to leave this topic without talking about people who never believed that this virus was real and people who are hesitant um, to get the vaccine. Um, all we have is the science that we have. All we have is the knowledge that we've accumulated. Um, and it, and it's, I find it disheartening to hear people who are not virologists, immunologists, or even physicians talk about this vaccine as though they really know something about it. Unless you are a, an immunologist, unless you have an intimate knowledge of viruses, you couldn't possibly understand the vaccine or the virus. And, and so for people to get on social media and say it's dangerous or there's something wrong with it, we have the science we have. And it has gotten us to this point. It, it, it's kept us safe. It's produced a vaccine. And so for those who are hesitant, um, you needn't be hesitant. Um, this, this, is, this has been well tested. It's been through all the rigors that, that drug manufacturers typically use. Um, so, you know, if, if, you're, if you're sitting on the fence, um, go ahead and get the vaccine. It's gonna protect you and it's gonna protect others. We have, a, we have a monumental healing process that we have to go through. Remember, trauma requires healing and we have to help each other get through this. And one of the ways to do that is to keep yourself safe and keep others safe. Continue masks, continue social distancing and get a vaccine. It's, a, it's, a, it's the best way to remain safe. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Definitely get out there and, and um, um, you, you, it, it may be tough like it was uh, for me the, the day after. Um, yeah. You know, it, that, that is a small price. Um, because yeah, you might feel a little tired the day after, you know, you're a little more tired than usual. Like it, it would be similar to not getting a good night's sleep. It's, it's how you would feel if you didn't get a good night's sleep on a Friday night, you'd be a little bit tired on Saturday, Sunday, you're going to be fine. Okay. So it's, it's a, it's a, a it's a, a little bit of fatigue and that's about it. Yeah. So um, don't be afraid of it. Uh, this, the science, science has gotten us here. Science is going to, it's going to get us through the rest of it. So don't be, don't be afraid. Yeah. Oh, that's what you always say. And don't be, that's how you always sign off and don't be afraid. So, all right. Well, I, with that, I think that is it for today. So mm -hmm. get, get out there and get your shots. Um, and um, it's, it's stick, around, stick around with us, you know, it's, we're, we're going to get into exactly. it. Yeah, right. All right. So that's it for today. Until next time, <laughs> stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. There you go. See?